0: Big day tomorrow, players will be chosen for a game, but it's not a game, it's really not a game. This is Retrace segment number 43, Monday, November 7th, 2022, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. You know, I remember like in college, I I remember when I sort of became a political junkie, that term, you know it applies more to some junkies than others but i've never been able to look away for very long but i'm also not someone who like i wouldn't i wouldn't do well on a panel you know because i'm not I, i'm i don't take pride in retaining a lot of the minutia or or the uh or the you know talking points but man it really seems important doesn't it probably I mean, if you're listening to this, probably to you, but to so many people, it seems irrelevant. But not us, right? Not you. Certainly not me. Big day tomorrow. There's a good chance that the uh, history books will mention it. So it qualifies as our uh, current history, and therefore what's going on out there. It pertains to hypothesis number five, civil war. The U.S. seems vulnerable to a civil war this decade. It pertains to other things. A lot of policy comes out of elections, big changes in the in our representatives. Fortunate as we are to be able to vote for representatives, although we'll talk a little bit in a minute about, or later in the show, about uh, how much power we actually have. Like, you certainly don't want to measure it. <laughs> if you're just a voter, if you just vote, if that's your... You don't want to measure your power. <laughs> you are what's called. You are the technical term for you is a dummy. Yes, a dummy. I know I'll forget to explain this later, so I'm just going to tell you right now. A dummy is someone who doesn't have an impact one way or another in any of the scenarios of coalitions that can change the outcome of a vote of an election. This is based on the um, the the Bonds-Off power index. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Tuesday, what is it? Midterms. Midterm elections. If you're not familiar with the United States, we have elections every two years, national elections every two years. Every four years, we have the president. And in, in between those two years, two-year intervals, those are called the midterms. And we are—we'll talk about the players in a second. But anyway, that's what it's about. It's And I think the general consensus based on data and surveys and whatnot are that— um, and and also you know exit polling and just counting the ballots at the end like people in the united states they're not required to vote at all and they certainly don't vote in nearly the numbers uh for at, at the uh, midterm elections that they uh, that they do at the uh, presidential elections um and you can understand why you know it takes more intellectual legwork uh literal legwork you actually have to get to the polls it's not that easy in a lot of places in the united states we don't do it on the weekend there is early voting in some places and mail-in voting and all that stuff, but a lot of that's controversial on the two sides, the blue and red politics, you know. We do it on a Tuesday, um, et cetera, et cetera. So the turnout is not as big. You get... The argument would be you don't want... The people you want voting in your elections are the people who want to vote. It's kind of like the... um, Oh, I don't remember who said this. That the, uh, the U.S. tax system is perfect because people who really don't want to pay taxes don't you know they work their butts off and they get lawyers and they they obsess out over everything they find loopholes to so they don't have to pay taxes and the people who don't really care about paying taxes or don't care as much as those, as those other people they pay all the taxes you know, so that's how it should be right people who people who don't care about who we elect they uh they don't vote right you don't care enough to get to the polls or know you know what the heck you're deciding when you get into the polls into the It's what is it? It's it's a little booth. It's not even a booth. It's like it's cardboard and plastic and curtains. If you're lucky, all of which are the purpose of which is to achieve privacy. Um, But it's just a strange physical. But it's always almost always in a school. Or do they do them in churches? I don't think I've ever voted in a church. They do them in in, you know buildings that um, often that are owned by cities and and municipalities and. Or counties and you know government buildings. Um, It has a real retro feel to it. It feels like going back to back to high school, not college. Um, Anyway, so the turnout's not going to be what it is for a presidential election, and what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like it's it's like the primaries light. Like the primaries, the only people who vote in primary and I vote in primaries, and I should declare my politics so you can judge i'm i vote democratic i don't like i've never registered as a democrat except in order to vote in a primary and then i immediately unregister because i don't like i just don't like i don't see my i can't ever say i'm i'm a democrat that means i don't know it's sort of like surrendering your decision-making capacity and, and if they ever you know i would never vote democratic if i didn't agree with them so you know um but but uh i'm not the typical democrat i'm not somebody who you know finds the right wing and, and the republicans mystifying or evil or anything like that I you know I I'm not atypical either like I have the same sorts of reactions when I'm not thinking and when I'm not you know carefully considering what what's on my mind um but anyway yeah I've, you know I I'm not a democrat officially I'm not a registered democrat but I vote democratic um, and so the primaries are where the parties decide who they're going to put to the the general elections, um, and they draw even fewer voters than than the midterms, and it's the crazies like me, <laughs> you know, it's the people who you don't just care like you, you're way way into the care. But I also am not that crazy. Like I'm not sitting here salivating at the idea of getting my particular candidate in. No, I don't. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm a least bad voter. I that is a hundred percent the way I've always voted. Not by any ideology it's just that's the fact in front of me as i see it um which one is the least bad they're both bad which one's the least bad uh but that way of thinking is completely i'm not going to say unusual i think it's unusual i certainly don't encounter a lot of people who were willing to talk politics who who uh, you know appreciate or espouse that point of view the least bad principle um anyway and i should say that everything i'm saying about everything i'm saying today in in light of the um the midterms tomorrow uh applies on wednesday like not i'm not going to say anything about i'm not going to call any races you know i'm not going to tell you any particular details about candidates there are lots a lot of people who are more qualified to do that sort of thing than i am uh so this applies to today and tomorrow and wednesday today is still monday um and it's and more importantly like this this midterms this is like the last stop on a train line before something 2024 is going to be you know more important than any previous election of my lifetime certainly um but everybody always says that about almost every election so and 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 you know a lot of people are worried on both sides they're all worried about the same stuff they just disagree about who's going to cause it all right, let's let's get into this. What are the issues? Um I'm going to talk about the explicit old issues, issues that are not new. I'm going to talk about the explicit new issues, and then I'm going to talk about the implicit issues that I think are there and but don't get talked about much uh if at all. And this you know I could I could go dig up a bunch of supporting arguments and say not arguments but supporting source material material for this but it's just not controversial i'm not i don't think i'm going to say anything controversial i'm not going to cite everything i say here for that reason okay explicit old um the economy abortion environment and guns so the economy jobs and inflation we all like jobs we all don't like inflation we disagree about who causes which number to get better we disagree about what causes jobs to go up like when your candidate is in office and the jobs go up you say see told you and then, when your candidates, or when the other team's candidates, in in office, and the jobs go up, you say you're just riding our coattails, man. We did that in the previous term, okay? Inflation, same sort of thing. What's causing it? Is it your candidate's fault? Well, if your candidate's in office, then no. And and if the the opposing candidate is in office, then probably, you know, that's that's sort of how people think. It's it's unfortunate. Like I wish I couldn't. I wish I didn't just you know have to describe my fellow voters this way but i've talked to a lot of people man i've talked to a lot of people in my life about politics and about blue and red american democrats versus republicans i get nowhere with any of them on anything i have never even seen a glint of a mind changed by information from my face my mouth, my brain, nothing that comes out of me does anything but trigger reflexive kicks from them. That's my opinion. If you're one of those people I've talked to over the years about politics, yes, I am talking about you. And <laughs> they'll um, and they, and they they'll say it about me too, I'm sure. it's, But I don't think it's true about me. They don't think it's true about them. See, we're all in a happy little delusional world. Um, okay, so... So the economy, jobs and inflation, everybody blames the other team. Abortion is different. Abortion is a question of what is right and wrong. It's a moral question. It's not, it has nothing to do with whether or not you're in office. Uh, this is something that should or should not happen. And, um, and, but they frame it in lang- both sides frame it in language that's totally loaded and not fair to the argument. They, they're, not, they're never discussing the merits of the reality of the problem, and it is a problem, you know, how you characterize the problem usually depends on your politics. Like, you know, the left, the Democrats will characterize it one way and the right will characterize it a totally different way and both ways make the other side look ridiculous or or attempt to. I wouldn't characterize it that way, but I'm certainly not going to take on abortion in this podcast right now because you don't need me to do that. If you're in the United States, which you probably are, you've got that settled, don't you? You already know, and and that's that's your prerogative. Good for you. The environment. This is another. This is not about what's right, and it's not about who's responsible. The environment. Global warming is about whether it's happening, which I think is starting to fall by the wayside. For a long time, the right did not even want to. Um, it didn't believe that it was happening um, I don't know what they wanted like I, I just we know from their words that they didn't believe that it was happening and now it's turned into more of a like how big a deal is it and then who's causing it and what should we do so there's like the, the is questions what is what is what is You know, what's? What, what? how big a deal is it or is it going to be prediction um, who's causing it who is causing it but then there's also what should we do should we turn off all the lights bring uh, you know paper bags to the grocery store keep reusing them or should we put the pedal to the metal on the economy so that we have enough wealth to adapt to what's going to happen no matter what happens those are the sorts of disagreements this is, it's mostly an ought question at this point should we do this should we do that and of course everybody who disagrees the nice thing about all these issues and all everything we're going to talk about here is that anyone who disagrees with you is, is like something wrong with them you know it's always them it's so great that life is like that because I wouldn't want Speaking for myself. I wouldn't want to be wrong. Full stop. And the great thing is that they are. Which saves me the trouble of being wrong. Slash S, as you have to say in text. Sarcasm. Guns. This is an ought question and an is question. It's it's, should we have as many guns or the guns that we do have or where we have them or under what circumstances we have them. And then also... Are they the cause of the violence that they are un- undoubtedly uh, involved in? Um, so it's 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 an is and an ought. And I should really say about all of these quest- all of these issues. Like I really would, you would not predict my position on any of these things. You wouldn't. I'm not gonna. You know, it's not about me. But you wouldn't. Uh, d- just because I vote Democratic doesn't mean that you can predict my outcome. And just because I said that doesn't mean I. I my opinions. Are, are would be seem very republican to you i'm i'm not a predictable type and and that's a big deal in in um in politics and in campaigning because the unpredictable types like like in predictive um artificial intelligence based business models what you want to do is you want to make people more predictable you want the, the the ai algorithms push people when they're like on Facebook or YouTube or something they they push people to be more predictable that's the that's the easiest way for the AI algorithms to get better at predicting this I'm getting this from uh, uh Stuart Russell's Human Compatible the easiest way for them to to predict what you're going to do is to not to get really good at knowing you it's to change you okay so the same thing applies to um politics and you'll be happy to know that your trusted podcaster uh in in chief here um it's not predictable i am not oh did you know i was going to do that see see not predictable all right uh those are the explicit old issues explicit new issues trump's character versus his consequences is the main one um and it which comes down to democrats don't like him cuz first and foremost because he seems to be a bad person and i do think that he seems to be a bad person but i don't think that's controversial i think right wingers don't want to be told admit it admit it you know like they don't want to come out and say yeah he's but i think they do tend to think that um but you know anytime your your opponent is coming at you and saying admit your flaws, admit your flaws. You're not going to admit them. Even if you know you have them. The, the left is the same. Like, you know, the left does some crazy stuff and if a right winger says, do you agree with this? Do you agree with this? The left winger might very well agree that something is nuts, but they're not going to, when the right winger's in his face or her face, not going to say, well, I'll give you that. Nobody wants to give anything. It's all entrenchment, right? Uh, so Trump's character is, I don't think controversial. He's you know, maybe amongst some people still think that he's he's like a good human being, but the, those people have no hope. I'm sorry, <laughs> like sorry, sorry, but this this is this is not a good person. But that then that brings us to the next question of consequences: Is he good for the country? Is he good for you as a voter? That's totally uh, controversial. You can totally argue one way or another, given any individual or group or you know half of the country, whether he's good for them. It's it is controversial. It's not clear one way or the other. Uh, unless you really get into the nitty gritty, but that's the first explicit new issue we weren't talking about Trump ten years ago. That's you know what we were talking about talking about the economy, abortion, environment, and guns. Trump's new. Um, I just want to this George Will quote that I just love. George F. Will, he's a conservative columnist for the uh, Washington Post. Uh, I think he's still writing for them. He certainly was for decades, and he wrote for Newsweek and everything. Uh, he said, "In any modern complex democracy." The question is not whether elites shall rule, but which elites shall. So the perennial political problem is to get popular consent to worthy elites. Which, so, so it's not the question, what he's saying, and I think this is totally true, although I'm not, I don't think I could get a lot of people to admit it. It's not, we, we think, people who think we're, um, let me start over. If a person thinks they're anti-elite, they really might not be. They really just might be anti-your elite. Trump is an elite. He's no doubt born into money, continued to grow that money, more or less, depending on what you believe, but he's certainly not he doesn't have less money now than he did when he was gifted, whatever he was gifted, or inherited. Um, and, and you know, he's a jet setter. He's got his own plane, and he's had it for a while. It doesn't matter what what led to that. If you think he's a con man, which I do, I think he's a con artist, and I don't mean that as a pejorative like it is obviously a pejorative but I'm not saying that to put him down I really think that that's mostly what he does is he gets confidence and then he uses that confidence but there are con artists all over the place he's not unusual for being a con artist Um, he is undoubtedly an elite and so the question if you accept that is uh, the right wingers want him to be he want they want the Trump elite the Trump kind of elite to run things And the left wingers don't. They, you know, they don't really have a. They just want anybody except him, and then they, you know, bicker amongst themselves until they find a uh, something. Like cats, they need to be herded, which of course is impossible. Okay, Um, not impossible. Hard. Uh, Culture is another explicit new issue, and what I mean by culture, I can mean anything. You could mean anything. Anybody means anything by culture. What I mean is gender and race. Those two things. Gender, are there? And the thing is, people keep using the word gender when they mean sex. Sex, there are only two sexes, male and female. Um, There are some edge cases with biology when certain things, you know, congenitally. But sex is just, you know, just like the birds and the bees. Like there are only two. We're talking about gender. You're not talking about male versus female. You're talking about something else. Um, So how many of those are there? Uh, I would say that that's new. You thought I was going to tell you how many there were. Uh, I would say that that's new, and then also race is—it's not new, but it's oh, its pervasiveness is as an issue is new. It's seeing it every—the left seeing it everywhere—and um, I'm not saying it's not everywhere. I'm not, I don't have a strong opinion about it. A lot of the stuff, most of the stuff, I don't have a strong opinion about I have an opinion, but not a strong one. Uh, So gender and race are new under the rubric of culture. And then the last new explicit thing is um, the 2020 election legitimacy, whether or not it was stolen, whether Stop the Steal is about a steal or about a con. Um, Obviously, I think, I don't think that, not obviously, I don't think it was stolen. I haven't seen anything that sort of seems like there's smoke and then there's fire i know that many many times in history the left and the right have both been very deceptive about things and that this could easily be one of them i just haven't seen anything i have not watched the thing that seems to be their main source material which is um dinesh de souza's uh two thousand mules or something like that i watched a lot of like normal newspaper based reporting not watched you know read and looked at and uh, on on the on the question of fraud ballot fraud, but I haven't watched that documentary. I should watch it. Should I watch it? I'll watch it. I want to watch it. I kind of want to see how many mules. Wow, that's a lot of mules, man. I hope I'm not one of the mules. No, because I, I assume the mules are carrying ballots, right? That's what happened. I don't know. I haven't even seen a trailer for it. I've just heard it referenced. Okay, uh, so that's new, whether or not the 2020 – and that's, that's sort of a big one. Like Trump's character versus consequences, we've dealt with that. That's, this country has been dealing with that for years now. Uh, gender and race, again, you know, it's, it's not that it's not a big deal that ticks off a lot of people, but um, it's not decisive. The 2020 election legitimacy, I mean it's not even clear to me why you would run for office if you think that the elections are rigged. And also, if you won a rigged election, why aren't you also a suspect? Like, on the right wing, it doesn't seem to be a category that you think that the 2020 elections were rigged and that also you might have gotten votes you shouldn't have gotten. So the 2020 elections were rigged, but only for the other side. But they didn't vote you out or they didn't rig it so much that you got out. So the, the belief would be that they rigged it, but they didn't make it so obvious by getting rid of, rid of every Republican because obviously that would be too obvious. So, that, so that's the position. This is totally nuclear bomb to democracy sort of stuff. I mean, if – and then we saw a little bit of that in the in the um, the runoffs in – what was it? Not Georgia. Was it Georgia? The runoffs in one of the states for – I think one was a governor and one was a senator in 2020 – People didn't the, the the Republicans didn't turn out um, as much. There was a I think you know the, the there was a, a decline in turnout detected. But I'm not going to cite a source on that. I just remember that. Um, and of course, if you tell your voters that everything's rigged, and you know you can't then say vote for me, you know, like vote for me to fix it. Well, why I can't I can't put you in office because they're gonna the Democrats are just gonna mules. They got they've got mules why vote for you it doesn't matter let's get ar15s you know i'm i'm not belittling it it's that's a seriously logical train of thought if if the people i trust are telling me that the voting doesn't work anymore the only logical flaw in it is why aren't you challenging your the the, vote, the people you trust to explain themselves when they say, "Vote for me," you like I, you know if, if I were on the right wing and I believe that the first thing I would say at a meeting, and I think i've heard people say things along these lines at 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 like Republican town halls and stuff over the last two years um, why the hell would we vote if it 's rigged you, why 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 is voting for you not going to be rigged like the like the last one is?" Um, so I'm not belittling, belittling it at all. You, of course not. I mean, not of course not. I mean, belittlement is a huge part of this whole thing. If you want to see, and I'll get to this in a second. Uh, do I get to this? yeah no, this is the implicit. Okay, so that's so 2020 election legitimacy is huge, and a lot, a lot, a lot of Republicans who are running for office and look like they're going to win these Senate and House, you know, U.S. Senate and U.S. House seats, and as well as state Senate and House seats, um, they – they're explicit that they think the that was stolen. This the steel was real. Um so that's the big one. That's the nuclear bomb that either has already gone off or has been, you know, the chain reaction has been initiated um and needs to be stopped by MacGyver. We need a MacGyver on this. Okay, for both sides. I mean, even if you believe it's rigged, like you, your argument should be, yeah, the mules. So we need mule police. We, you know, and that's kind of what they are doing. I, I, th- what they think they're doing, I guess, when they when they want poll watching and they want, you know, they want it to be harder to vote. You know, they don't want mail in and all that stuff. So so that's probably the argument from the right. I, I, I I'm not on the right, so I can't you know tell you for sure. But um, what about implicit issues? I think the... Is it the biggest? This is the first one I put down. I don't know if this is the biggest one, but rich versus poor. I think that there is a real... It's on both sides, too. The funniest thing, like, you know, you hear terms like coastal elites, um, but then, you know, so that implies that Republicans are, you know, there, there's a rich-poor divide, and the rich people are on the coast, and they're blue, and then there's a poor... On the you know on the heartland that's red and poor is poor is is much worse of a of a word than rich like rich we know is a wide spectrum but poor you're imagining destitution it's not poor it's just not millionaire, um the, the heartland is not you know anyway so uh, rich versus poor but then I heard I'm gonna have to go dig this up that I heard the survey a survey revo- results of, of, recently from from a reputable pollster said that like. Democrats believe that some insane percentage like like I think it was more than half of Republicans are wealthy like it was just stupid like I don't even know how anybody could believe this stuff like just you know it's just how could you believe that it was it was something like half of them were million like they or, or most Republicans are you know very wealthy or you know top in, in top tax bracket or something dumb and I was like that's 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 surprising so it's on both sides right like the you you could have resentment and bad blood and perception of um of inequality we talked about inequality yesterday of uh, you know economic injustice on both sides even though some of the cliche the cliche is coasts rich heartland poor that's that's false it's totally false cities rich Rural areas poor. That might be more, much closer to the truth, uh, but there are cities throughout the heart, throughout throughout you know the red part of the United States, the the Republican voting part of the United States. Okay, so rich versus poor is is a, an implicit issue that doesn't get talked about as as explicitly as clearly. Man, I'm putting on some things on this list. I don't know if I should go into all this suffering, resentment, meanness disguised as comedy, contempt disguised as sarcasm and caricature suffering let's just okay so resentment you know the basic the basic of the basics of resentment are things like you can be a winner and not deserve it none of us likes to see someone killing it getting all the the luck and all the rewards possible in life when they don't deserve it you know that drives everybody nuts uh and then the opposite you know if you get screwed and you're you know things turn out badly for you and you didn't do anything wrong you know that that would probably drive you nuts too. That's resentment, meanness disguised as comedy. I laugh at these guys. A lot of them are on the left. I laugh, and then I feel like when I, you know, I, it feels bad when I when I, you know, laughter is reflexive. It's like involuntary. That's sort of what what makes it so powerful. Um, but then if I think about it, how it would sound sitting in the shoes of of a target of the joke. And, you know, it's totally different. It's horrible, and and you know, you have to learn to take a joke. But sometimes, like the the more that's the more bad luck you've had, or the more the more difficult your life is, the less anyone should be expected to take a joke. You know. Go, are you going to joke about the victims of ISIS? Sort of, no, like, there are places where in, in life where people, and obviously at the top of the game, it seems like in Hollywood or political elites or whatever, they should be able to take jokes the most. And in general, they, they, they do. But also remember, the people who get up to those levels are often profoundly insecure and, and messed up. So, you know, I love jokes. I love comedy. I totally believe in it. But we have to acknowledge that meanness is often disguised as comedy. Contempt is often disguised as sarcasm and caricature. This, I see this on, on the opinion side of Fox News all the time. And, well, I should give an example. And the meanness disguised as comedy, Bill Maher. You know, I'm, I'm a big... I, I've been watching Bill Maher for a long time, and I get a lot out of that show, but there's no doubt in my mind... Uh, and, and, you know, I find myself agreeing with most of what I hear. Is that Most... Agreeing is a loose term. I mean, I'm a very sort of picky person about the details. Um, but anyway, I listen to it a lot. I listen to it because it's in the podcast. I don't watch on HBO because HBO is expensive. <laughs> um, and and so that's the example of meanness disguised as comedy, although it's like every com- comedian on the left is probably guilty of this. And then contempt disguised as sarcasm is, is like every opinion show on Fox News. Okay, so those are examples. Uh, oh, and suffering. Look, there's a lot of suffering in this country – in every country, but you know it doesn't the reason I'm bringing it up is that it's implicit. it's not acknowledged like and it's based on it's, we're in a changing environment, it's a changing external environment, it's a changing internal environment. There's so much to say about that. That's all implicit. Those are the issues. The upshot is this, and you might not see this coming, but this, I think, is the upshot of all the issues old, new. Implicit, explicit. Both sides think that fascism is coming, if not full civil war, fascism and then civil war, civil war then fascism. Both sides think it's coming, but they disagree diametrically about where it's coming from. Republicans think the fascism is coming from the Democrats. Democrats think the fascism is coming from the Republicans. That's funny not in a haha way all right that's the overview of the issues the players who will be chosen are senators house representatives state senators state house representatives governors there are some um issues on ballots other than individuals but you know the question is always are you voting for someone's policies versus whether you're voting for them as a person do you like them as a person or do you like their policies most? The vast majority of us are voting on, on pe- whether or not we like people um, because it's too hard to dig into the policies yourself. You have to be an expert. We're de- we delegate that. So you have to be an expert to do it. So we delegate to these people. So who do we delegate to? The people we like. right? That's, that's Those are the players we're choosing. They're not the only players in the game, obviously. Like the, the pol- politicians are only one part of the constellation of influential players in the game of control of the united states and therefore the wider world because the united states controls so much of the wider world it's a game i know it's not a game it's not a game at all when i say it's a game even lightheartedly which i don't but if i were to say i mean i would immediately i have this immediate reaction uh uh, this protest it's not a game it's not it's not an effing game at all nature is not effing around but when I say it's a game, I mean game theory. That this is a mathematical game. Like this is economic games. This is uh uh von Neumann and Morgenstern and Nash stuff. So w- what is game theory? Uh this is from um what where did I grab this quote? I don't know. What's that? F- can't see it. Four. I think this is from Peterson, the decision theory. Game theory is the study of the ways in which interacting choices of economic agents produce outcomes with respect to the preferences or utilities of those agents. Got it? Sink that into your head. Now, okay, it's, it's really just about understanding the dynamic when you have an agent, a person, usually, although it's becoming AI as well, an agent um, who has preferences and can make choices. Okay, so you've got a me and i have things that i like and don't like or want and don't want or, or or uh you know seek and don't seek if i also make choices i'm not handcuffed in a jail cell i'm actually out in the world able to make choices and do things then i'm an agent and then the question is given those preferences those likes and dislikes wants and diswants and give and then and you know uh, and given, once the choices are made, given choices or what choices we game out, what are the outcomes? Can we understand systematically the outcomes of agents' choices based on their preferences? That's game theory. Okay, that's what this whole thing is. And I think the most important finding or, or, or element of game theory that, that's relevant to politics is the prisoner's dilemma. Which it, which basically shows, when, when you put people in a certain situation where they are incentivized to cooperate but in a very specific way that they can't trust that the other one is going to decide with them and if they, the other one doesn't decide with them then they're worse off you get this you discover that what is optimal for each individual I'm quoting now I can't read the thing um, I think no that's from Peterson the other one's from all the, oh, the other one's from Stanford Encyclopedia um, what is optimal for each individual need not coincide with what is optimal for the group individual rationality sometimes comes into conflict with group rationality that's from Peterson the introduction to decision theory the other one the one about game theory was quoted from the Stanford encyclopedia of philosophy which is online okay enough it's just, the prisoner's dilemma is just about self interest versus group interest and how it's you have to and there's a whole thing on how to get overcome this dilemma you can force people you can make it about morality you can do things that that, that might or might not work, but that's what we're facing. Collective decisions versus individual decisions. I think environmental, the, the environmental problem, the problem with our effect on the environment being you know, insofar as it's negative and we can't adapt to it and insofar as we're changing the environment faster than we can adapt to it, which is one of our hypotheses, uh, is, is a classic prisoner's dilemma. There's nothing more complicated than that. Okay. What about things like beliefs, feelings, especially desire and disgust. What about what we care about? We talked about early on in Retrace, the the care factor and how it's a constraint on intelligences. Volitional necessity is sort of the technical term that Frankfurt puts on it. What about interests? Whether you know your interests or not, a lot of people say, you're not voting your own interests, man. Um, What about incentives? All that stuff is supposed to roll up into preferences, but it's hard to think about preferences of an agent encompassing all that stuff. So, these are things to think about as well, um when we think about the game the game of politics um, there's this thing you know we're going to vote right, and what what's a vote one one person one vote you can there are other ways of voting there are other perfectly reasonable ways of voting in in, in uh, so as to get the outcome that you want, not the result of the vote but the result of the, you know the resulting society, a society that's not just you know majority rule which is you know two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner that's the classic one i like that um but it's also not tyranny of the minority where you you know if you just get your hands on just the right positions you suddenly can totally control a society disproportionate to your numbers or or only proportionate to your land holdings or something there are different ways of voting um and you can actually measure them mathematically by using a, a tool called the Bandsaf Power Index. And it's explained this way uh, in, in um, Paulus's uh, Mathematician Reads the Newspaper, uh, but there's probably just as good... I know there's just as good an explanation on Wikipedia. Um, the power index, the Bandsaf Power Index, of an entity... So you or a group or you, you know your party, a political party. The power index of an entity... And I'm paraphrasing the entity... Uh, is the number of ways in which that entity can change a losing coalition into a winning coalition, or vice versa? This doesn't sound straightforward. It, it's very—you just have to play with the numbers a little bit to realize that if you—and and Paulus does this in his book—you, you know, a person with single-digit percentage control of, of a voting block. Can have way more. Can have as much power as someone with double digits, high double digits, forty percent, forty-seven percent, depending on gaming out the scenarios that lead to um, winning or losing in a vote. Corporations have different ways of 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 waiting and and, and proceeding with voting. It's not the same as the U.S. Con- it doesn't have to be the same as the way that we the U.S. Constitution um, define, you know, d- prescribes voting. Um, but the point is you can you know small voting blocks can have way more power than their numbers and big voting blocks can have way less and and then this comes back to what we talked about at the top the dummies are the people who don't matter either way they they don't tend to be big voting blocks of course but you know you can have a 9% and a and a, and a 7% and the 9% can have as much power as the 47% and the the 7% can have no power at all. Can't change. No, there's no scenario where their vote changes an outcome from winning to losing or losing to winning. So bands off power index is, is a good way of thinking about, and, and you know, if you've heard of things like cracking and packing, gerrymandering, like the, it's become a real mathematical art, redrawing district maps to ensure that your political party gets and keeps power, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's becoming mathematical. So and then, of course, once it's mathematical, then it can be machine-based. And once it's machine-based, then the machines are in control. H12, computer control. It's all, it's all happening. All right. That's enough. There's a lot more to say. Um, we, we need to talk about um, what's happening more broadly and crucial considerations, strategic considerations. I can't put this. this is our, I knew this one was going to go long. Uh, if I put that stuff in there, it's going to be way long. Uh, so we'll do it tomorrow, but tomorrow, again, is Super tu- Super Tuesday. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what Super Tuesday is. I don't know if every Tuesday is Super Tuesday, um, <laughs> or every voting day. Uh, it's not. I don't even remember what Super Tuesday means. I used to know that. But the players for the game will be chosen. And to mix metaphors, it's the last stop on this train line before the the end of the line in 2024. The end of some line. Hopefully it's not as big a deal as it seems like to some people. Retrace segment number 43 for Monday, November 7th, 2022. Um, all references will be in the PDF notes. Retrace.com r e t r a i c e dot com. This is retrace segment number 43 in case I didn't just say it five seconds ago. Next segment, same time tomorrow, 11pm, Eastern. Signing off.